Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Good afternoon, good evening everybody, wherever you may be, it is me, Dov, from Forza Italian Football, of course, to do some Euro podding, because there's been some European action uh, during the last three days, and to help me discuss uh, the, the the midweek action is Mr. Podrick Whelan. Podrick, how are you doing? I'm good, Dov, yeah, it was another reasonably successful week, wasn't it, for the, the Italian sides, I think. Ticking along quite nicely. They are indeed, and obviously, um, this is Forza Time Football, and we are hashtag FIF at the games because not only uh, was I at Milan Dudelange on Thursday, we had reporters at every single Champions League game involving the Italian teams this week. Every single one. How many other Italian football podcasts slash websites can say that? I'll answer none. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were maybe going to answer, Paddy, but I thought I'll do yeah, well, it. No, well, this is a question that I know the answer to this one. So there might not be too many more of those this evening, although hopefully that isn't the case. Wow, yeah, that, that might, we'll discuss that at the end about <laughs> what's going to happen, the ramifications, stuff like that. But I, I think there might be another couple of times we'll get, uh, we'll get to the games. Um, right, so let's start on Tuesday then in the Champions League. Uh, Juventus against Valencia. Uh, in Turin, this is one that I happened to be at. Uh, Mario Mandzukic scored his third game, a uh, third game, his third goal in three games uh, on the hour to give Juve a one 0 win, and uh, pretty much put them through to the to the next round. They've just got to decide on who's going to get top spot between them and Manchester United. Uh, Paddy, uh, obviously you you would have had a little a look at the game. It was it was fairly comfortable this one I thought for Juve. Yeah, same here. I think it was just that kind of typical uh, 
performance you kind of get from from UV at home, where they they face these teams who good teams. Don't get me wrong, Valencia certainly certainly not a bad team, but UV just make them look so so ordinary. That's how good that they are at home, and they can make these these good teams look as if they really can't lay a glove on them. And I mean, aside from one or two good saves from Chesney and the the goal that was disallowed, um, Valencia really didn't test UV a whole lot. I felt, especially once. UV got the, the goal to put them 1-0 up. I think it was always going to be an uphill battle for Valencia after that. I really didn't see them uh, finding a way back into the game. You never do with UV. I think that's why the, the last Champions League home game was such a surprise, even though it was against Man United. That is just so on UV-like, but this was just back to business kind of for UV, wasn't it? They, they get their goal and nobody can really find a way past them. Yeah, I mean, I mean that, that that's exactly it. Like, it, it, like Valencia it came to Turin and they needed a result to, to keep themselves in the competition. So I kind of like half expected after what happened against Manchester United that Valencia would would at least give it a goal. And honestly, like you, apart from I think it was um, Diacabi's header at the end of the first half, where Chesney made an amazing save. I think uh, there was a statistic being banded around where I think his reaction time was like 0.3 seconds, given the speed of the ball, the header came in, and the distance to goal, which I think is amazing. Good for him as well after uh, after the last Champions League game, wasn't it? He, well, kinda, he was getting a bit made of a bit of after that one, yeah. Yeah, and, and then oh, made up for it there. And, and he, even then, I mean, I think like, like Valencia were just, there was absolutely no way they were getting anything from the game, and it was really disappointing about how they set up, and um, obviously, they they kind of were put out after Manchester United scored their very very late goal uh, in the game against Young Boys, um, but it mean, so it means that basically um, Juventus are are going to win win the group, and uh, I think if uh, d- depend depending on the result, how many goals Manchester United win by, um, they they might finish second because I think because uh, obviously on the head to head record. Um, Juventus lose that because they, they, they conceded two away goals. So it'll be interesting to see if that happens and, and how that affects them. Um, but yeah, this is it's, there's nothing really to say about Juve. It's, it's annoying to talk about Juve because they are just so good. Um, Especially at this <laughs> stage, Godov, isn't it? It's, it's kind of the stage of the tournament for Juve where I don't want to say it's not like they're going through the motions because they are playing well and they're, they're doing what they have to do. But you know that. They're going to win these games. They're almost like like a formality for UV, and you really are kind of waiting for, you know, March and April time, aren't you, with UV in the Champions League to really see, especially this season with with Ronaldo, obviously what uh, what they're going to be like in the big kind of European nights then, because these games, yes. Yeah, Nobody there's, can. The teams just aren't good enough to, to stop them. They're so straightforward for them, I think, as well. So like, they don't. They need to. They, they're basically doing what they need to do, uh, and I don't think showing their say true selves, uh, if you like, in the in the competition just yet. But that will come. Um, I think. <laughs> I think Allegri was asked in the press conference. We thought oh, that was a nice wee joke, and he was asked if if the Champions League is his competition, given the fact that he's kind of got to a lot. of it got to the later stages quite often in two finals and stuff and his response I thought was quite good is it well if the lads bring home the trophy then it'll definitely be my competition so there you go it's <laughs> Max having a wee joke um, right so that's UV done easy peasy uh, let's go to Rome where we had Mr Alistair McKenzie 
was at the Stadio Olimpico to take in Roma against Real Madrid. And unfortunately, uh, this one went rather awry for the home team. They lost 2-0. It was uh, Gareth Bale and Lucas Vasquez getting the goals for uh, the European champions, the reigning European champions. Although it didn't matter because other results in the group meant that both teams qualified and Real Madrid will go through as top of the group. So, uh, Alistair, what exactly went wrong for Roma? Uh, primarily, they didn't put away their chances um, in the first half uh, because... That was a real opportunity for them. They started the game really well. There was a huge crowd inside the Olimpico and they were already a bit uh, G'd up by the uh, Francesco Totti Hall of Fame induction that was happening before the game. So it was a great atmosphere that was helping them uh, put in a, a great shift really in that first half and they are completely on top. But they were taught a pretty harsh lesson by the team who were probably better than anyone else at, at teaching these kind of lessons that in order to actually get results from these games, they have to take the opportunities that, uh, that arise and have to avoid uh, the kind of errors that saw Real take the lead so soon after the second half. Um, I mean, Cengiz Under is obviously the one who's most responsible for that with his terrible miss just before half-time, but they, they had enough chances before then to, to have gone in front. Schick missed from six yards out. Um, Clivert and Schick again both scuffed pretty good opportunities in that first half as well. And considering the amount of the ease with which they were managing to carve apart that that Madrid defence, um, you know, it's you did get the sense that they were going to be made to pay for for failing to to put away those chances. And then in the second half, um, like I said, immediately uh, made they, they were punished by terrible back uh, header back from Fazio that um, you know, came from a terrible Olsen clearance and kind of two two moments of individual kind of lack of losses of concentration is enough for a team like Real to pounce and to be honest once uh, once they they went down and particularly once Real got the second they never for a moment even looked like they were they were even interested in getting back into the game and it, in the end it could have been more than 2-0. And obviously like you say there's, there are a lot of issues that Di Francesco has and do, do you think these are problems that he can fix? Uh, Di Francesco is looking more and more kind of wired and rattled every time I see him and you can understand why the First half, like I mentioned, they had enough chances to be in uh, in front by the time of half time, um, and there's not an awful lot he as a coach can do about the way that they conceded the the first goal, where it's just individual errors that have let them down. But I think the first goal does also perhaps link back to what a lot of people are complaining about in the stands and in the papers and everything, which is the mentality of this Roma team. And uh, he's previously criticised them, Di Francesco, for switching off and um, at the first sign of difficulty not being able to really rally themselves and you saw that again last night despite the fact that they had a lot of swagger and were really on top in that first half as soon as they went behind uh, particularly after the second goal they had enough time to get back into that game they still had about half an hour to go when the second goal went in but they never never looked likely to do it um, so the mentality thing I think is a major issue and that's probably only going to get wor worse because you know, substitutions were made in the second half, and particularly when Steven Nzonzi was subbed off, there were huge boos from the crowds. So the crowd have kind of turned against the players by this point. It's going to get harder for them to, to have a positive attitude. And I suppose Di Francesco's critics, that's one of their biggest criticisms of him, 
is that if he was going to have been able to get through to the players and turn them around, he would have done it by now. Um, they've had these problems from the very start of the season, uh, throwing away a 2-0 lead to Kievo to draw 2 all. They were 3-1 down by half-time against Atalanta at home before coming back to 3 all. Uh, they had those defeats to Bologna and Udinese. So it's been a remarkably inconsistent season for them so far, and it's quite hard to say you know, what he can do. He has been a bit unlucky with injuries. There was last night they were missing Dzeko and Pellegrini, which is, you know, the fulcrum of their attacking moves. And although Dzeko's form in the league this season hasn't been great, he's been phenomenal in the Champions League and is is a, a, a man for the big occasion. So the fact that they had to replace them with guys as young and experienced as Zaniolo and, and Patrick Schick is a bit unlucky for him. So he does deserve the benefit of the doubt a little bit with that. And, and obviously, like I mentioned at the top there, They've qualified regardless, um, and obviously you you have been to the Olympico quite a lot this season because hashtag FIF at the Games. Um, do you think that they can maybe have a long run in the Champions League like they did last season? Um, obviously comparing, comparing it to Serie A where, where their, their form isn't there, do you think they can go far again in Europe? I don't think there's much evidence from what we've seen already this season to suggest they can go far in the Champions League again. Um, but the thing is, the knockout rounds obviously don't start until next next year, next February. So there is quite a lot that can change between now and then. Um, the biggest one, I suppose, that people are talking about is whether Di Francesco will still be in charge by then or not. And if a new coach is brought in, which there aren't any signs really of happening so far, but if that does happen, uh, that could have any sort of influence on the team. Uh, there's also the January transfer market as well, which we'll have to wait and see what kind of um, reinforcements, if any, that they can bring in then. So the, the core of this team is still good enough, I'd say, to to qualify um, to maybe the quarterfinal stage. But it all depends as well on the draw that they get, because one thing that happened last night as well is that they're, they've been guaranteed second place in the group. So they could well end up with one of the kind of big European juggernauts in the last 16 draw. Uh, and if that happens, from the evidence of what we've seen in the two games against Real Madrid, uh, but also in the league so far this season, it's hard to imagine this Roma team getting the same kind of result against, say, a Barcelona like they did last season, um, or a Manchester City, or, you know... At Bayern Munich, I, I can't really imagine over two legs that this team's got enough about it right now to, to take down one of those really big teams. But were they to get a bit lucky with the draw, you never know, because I think there is still enough talent in the team um, to, to, to get them through. And on their day, they can be capable of, of those big performances. But uh, what they do need to do is sharpen up in front of goal. Like I've already mentioned, if they can put away the chances um, that they created, like last night in the first half then I don't see why they couldn't uh, put teams uh, in a lot of difficulty in this competition I mean Real Madrid for all their problems are the three time in a row champions of this competition so it's 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 not exactly a, a poor side they were up against um, so we'll have to wait and see but I would say at the moment it all really depends on what happens over the next few months and I know as well you did want to have a wee word about the strikers 
Something this team is really missing, really lacking, is a, a prolific goal scorer and a, a striker up front. I mean, Edin Dzeko is the joint top scorer in the Champions League, so he's 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 been doing well there. But those goals have come against Pilsen and and CSK, and and only in in two different games, if I remember correctly. Um, but while he's away, I think Dzeko's still a very good option to have up front um, in, in these games, in the Champions League games. But when he's not available, Patrick Schick, it's quite clear that he's still far from being the player that Roma uh, kind of hoped he would be by this stage. And his involvement in games is, is often quite minimal. He, he can really go missing in matches. He hasn't really shown he has what it takes to lead the line so far in this system. And he's only got one goal this season, obviously, for them as well. And when he's he's had his chances, and he had them last night against Real Madrid, he had two pretty good chances to put the ball in the net and failed to on either occasion. So I think for Roma to, to get much further and really to turn around their form in the league as well, they do need to sort out the striker problem, get Dzeko scoring goals in the league again and find a way of, of getting the best out of Patrick Schick because at the moment he's he's been given a fair few opportunities but he's yet to really take them. Wow, there we go, Paddy. That's what Alistair thought about rubbish Roma. Um... What do you think then? Obviously, they, they got they got beat 2-0 at home. Real Madrid aren't really in the best of form right now either. So do you think this was a bit of a surprise result? Uh, honestly, though, I didn't know what to expect going into that game because both those teams, like you said, Real Madrid were no different. They'd kind of they'd started a little better, I suppose, under Solari. I think they'd won the first four games and then obviously they came into that the Roma game off the back of a a heavy defeat away from home, but Roma hadn't been playing well either, and they'd been beaten away against Udinese, so I kind of didn't know what to expect from it, and this was the only thing that Roma can really take out of it, is that ultimately it didn't matter that, you know, they lost it and they went through, and like you said, maybe, well, certainly not playing that well recently, and yet they are into the last 16, and then you look at Inter and Napoli, who by and large, have played well in the Champions League this season and in Serie A as well. And the two of those teams might not get through. <laughs> and yet there's Roma just, you know, by virtue of the groups, they're, uh, they're through with a game to spare. So just, that's it's funny how the old Champions League works out when you, you get a draw in your favour. Indeed it is, right. So let's go to London then, because you were there at Wembley Stadium to witness Tottenham Hotspur getting, uh, winning sorry, 1-0 with Christian Eriksen scoring ten minutes before the end, um, what, just what did you what did you think of it? I thought that, uh, to be honest, that it was quite harsh on Inter. I thought if the game had ended nil nil, I I don't think Spurs would, could have complained a whole lot. And I think Inter had had by and large they defended well enough to probably merit that clean sheet. I thought the the two centre backs. Particularly uh, De Vrij and Skriniar, which is maybe concerning for for Inter that Skriniar just seems to be getting better and better on on these big stages. Um, it's it's obviously not ideal for them that it likely isn't going to be too long with it. You know the scarcity of centre halves around that teams are going to come sniffing for him. He was outstanding again. I thought he and De Vrij, like I mentioned, they definitely didn't deserve to be on the the losing team, but. I don't think Inter did enough to, to win it either and you know a goal at any stage in the game you always felt would have been enough even before the game you felt that if Inter scored 
then one probably would have been enough for them. They could have snuck through. And before it, Spalletti obviously promised. He pretty much said, we are, we are going out to win this. The players said the same. But uh, I don't know. I don't think they ever really looked as if they they had that mentality that they'd set out to to get that goal. The chances for them were, were few and far between. I think maybe Skriniar had the best one or Valero maybe in the first half. But, you know, they were, they were half chances, though. So... Uh, what, didn't really do enough an attack. What about Ivan Perisic? Because he's calling for a bit of criticism by not being very good. Do you think that that he, that's deserved criticism? Do you think that he needed to that that was a game where he needed to step up and show, can I say, World Cup form? Well, that that was actually something that he was asked about uh, the press conference the day before. He was he was one of the Inter players put up to speak to me. Then he he wasn't. Uh, he wasn't too impressed actually when when it was put to him that that his numbers are basically down for the season and even just the eye test I suppose watching him he doesn't seem doesn't seem to be at his best but uh, I, I I don't think he was he was actually that bad I thought he, he did quite well when he came when he came in off the wing actually I thought he, he was when he looked most dangerous when he came in to send crosses in or let Asamoah overlap or even to flick on headers for for other players I thought that's when he looked. If not dangerous, he, he looked a bit brighter. I, I don't think he's been uh, he's been as bad maybe as it's been made out. And I think if you even if you look at you know kind of other players from that the the World Cup and, and guys that got to the final like at Real Madrid, you have Varane and and Modric who both got to the final and they seem to be coming in for for pretty much similar criticism that. They've really not been at their best this season, especially Modric, you know, fellow Croatian. So maybe that is that, that there's something to that that these guys are just jaded from so little time off, and they're also playing in Champions League teams. So there, a lot of these guys are maybe not getting as much rest or playing two every three days or stuff like that. So with Perisic, I think maybe just maybe like you said, it it, it could be time to to set him out for a few games, give him a bit more rest because you have the options there in Keita mm. and. And others, so that that could be something you're right to, to look at. And what about Nangalan? Obviously, he came off injured just before the break. Do you think maybe if he was on the park in the second half, Inter could have sneaked a win or at least kind of kept it? Well, not not the way he was playing. No, anyway, not impressed. No. Yeah, it was, I think it was a godsend for uh, for Inter that that he did go off because I think you, you could tell for maybe ten minutes before. Obviously, the frozen only game was was his first game back and. You could tell that he he'd obviously did something, or that he wasn't comfortable because he really he wasn't getting around the park too well. Every time he got the ball, he just seemed to lose it. He wasn't kind of pressing high and in amongst the the sports players like you'd have expected. So, if they had a fully fit Rajan Angelan who hasn't had the the ankle injuries that he's had in the last few weeks. At Wembley, that that might have been a different story, but the way he was playing, I think it was it was no surprise anyway to to see him go off. And then obviously the man who came on, Valero. Maybe if Nangalan, if the ball had fell to him in the box like it did to Valero, just pretty much moments after he came on, and he kind of hesitated at that chance, it could have been a, a different story. But uh, if some buts, still if, if some, some buts, exactly if some buts. Right, we'll, we'll we'll come to the ramifications in the group in a minute. I just want to bring Vieri Capretta in because he went away to Napoli to look at, or not look at, to go, <laughs> to go and watch uh, Napoli against Red Star from Hi the there, Stadio Dov. San Paolo. Uh, hello, Vieri. 
Right, so let's get into it. Napoli, the, the win was pretty straightforward and obviously Dries Mertens got uh, two goals, his 100th goal for Yeah, as expected, it was quite How a straightforward win. I mean, Napoli managed to do better than Liverpool. Uh, they tactically outclassed Paris Saint-Germain. They should have won in Belgrade, so it really was no surprise that they did their job uh, so smoothly against uh, uh, Red Star at the San Paolo. I was impressed particularly by uh, Koulibaly Hamšík and, of course, Dries Mertens, and he was truly impressive. He's that kind of striker, though, when you've got that pace, that quality, uh, and the technique in shooting. He can, he's got the killer instinct, uh, not as consistently as some people, but, I mean, he found his 100th goal with Napoli, and considering he was only a winger three years ago, uh, it is impressive. And, uh, of course, you know, he scored two, he could have gotten more. And is really, at the moment, a difference maker, uh, just like Insigne. And they will always be the start, uh, the starting um, two strikers for Ancelotti ahead of Milik. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Now, I was uh, keeping an eye on your Twitter because you like to tweet a lot. Um, and you mentioned that Kalidou Koulibaly is the best defender in Europe. Now, I need to, I want to put you up on this because obviously you've got the like of Sergio Ramos at Real Madrid. You've got Chiellini and Bonucci at Juve and obviously Mattia Bani at Chievo as some of the, the greatest defenders that have ever lived. Do you really think he's the best? Let's be honest. <laughs> well... I think the thing with Koulibaly is that if you look at him uh, and you've never seen him before, it, it really is impressive how he combines the physicality, his strength, his power, his ability on the ball, uh, which obviously developed under Maurizio Sarri, his technique, 
uh, his quality and his ability also to go forward. I mean, what was impressive last night was uh, at uh, midway through the first half, he managed to win the ball back in the fence and then make a run all the way forward to finish off with a header and almost scored. was denied by the goalkeeper. So he's got all that put together. Tactically, he's, uh, he's very smart. Uh, he's able to tackle and get in with uh, some dirty play as well. He's got everything to his game. I think what he's missing... Uh, is just that experience at top level. I mean, you know that uh, Sergio Ramos will not let you down uh, on a decisive night, on a big night when there's a final. Uh, you know, for example, that Chiellini and Bonucci are great, but they're not quite Sergio Ramos level. And it's only a matter of those little details. You know, Sergio Ramos wins finals, Chiellini and Bonucci don't or haven't yet. They might this year. Let me just say it once again. I think Juventus are favourites to win the Champions League. Um, but having said that, Koulibaly has everything to become a, an absolutely top, top uh, level defender. He is up there with the best and just needs to, to win some silver, really, uh, to testify it. Right. And obviously, they need to get a result in Liverpool. Can they do it? I have to be honest with you. I'm quite worried uh, about the final game because... In football, often when you dominate, when you deserve to win uh, and don't score, don't get the results, that's when you lose. And I think Napoli have impressed everyone. They've outplayed Paris Saint-Germain. They beat Liverpool. They dominated against Red Star. They were top of the group for most uh, of it. And, of course, they're still unbeaten. But then they go into the final game when they have to go all the way to Anfield and get a result. Of course, they could, they could even lose... Uh, mathematically it could stand for them going through anyway uh, depending on how they lose if they draw or win they've done it but it's not exactly ideal I think Napoli deserved to be already through from what we saw and when you deserve that much and don't get it well football can be very very cruel so they can get the result they need in Liverpool they've beat them uh, they've beat the Reds already but I don't think it'll be it'll be very easy at all Right, Podrick, um, let's, get, let's get back and like, talk a, quickly about uh, Napoli against Red Star because, like, kind of like Vieri said, Napoli were impressive and they're fantastic. They're, they're top of Group C. But you probably say of Napoli, PSG and Liverpool, their favourites to go out. Oh, Tom, it's, it's crazy. I think me and you were talking about it uh, off-air before and we basically were saying that it was a similar situation. Remember a few years ago where they were the, the first team ever to win four games to get 12 points and go out. This year, they're in good spot going into the last round of games. Difficult last game that they have, you know. I suppose Liverpool aren't at their best, but, uh, you know, going to Anfield isn't going to be easy and they go into that game sitting top of the group and you're right, there's, there's a pretty decent chance that they, they might not get out of this. I just... I just feel so sorry for them because they uh, they always seem to get these difficult groups that uh, that other teams not pointing fingers at Roma, but we did kind of mention earlier Roma's group compared to this one. You know, it's it's funny to look at it that way. But I think I don't know if you you'll probably agree that it was the the first game. If they do go out and hopefully they don't, and do you know I think no, they can go to Liverpool and get something. Nobody but, wants them to go out. No, no, and I, I, I don't think they will. I actually think that they've shown that they're, they're capable throughout the group. Um, they sit top with a game to go, so why can't they finish the job? You know, I'd be fully confident that they can go to Liverpool and get something. But if they don't, it'll be that first game, won't it, where they, 
where they kick themselves off. Well, it's not, it's not even that. It's not even that, uh, Paddy. It's that even in the, the game uh, against Red Star just there, if they hadn't have conceded the goal, they could have lost 1-0 at Anfield and still went through but the fact that they've now conceded that goal means that if Liverpool win 1-0 uh, uh, Napoli will actually go out on goal scored oh, see that is, it's just so Napoli the same as the, you go out on 12 points now you go out on goal scored, scored would just be that was such a oh, was such a sloppy goal to, to concede as well it seemed the danger was gone and then they let Marin wriggle free and get his pass through so yeah it'll be you know, it's, I suppose it's always the case in these kind of groups that if you don't put those those fourth seed teams, the the lesser teams in the group, to the sword, mm. then then you're going to pay for it. Because if Liverpool go out, you know they'll be they'll be saying the same. I I doubt they'll look at the the Napoli and PSG results as being what cost them. They went to Belgrade and lost, obviously. So they'll look at that if, if they're the ones to go out. Yeah, well, this kind of Ancelotti said almost the same thing in terms of, he, he said it's not finished. PSG could get beat off Red Star and then everything will be all right. And, and even then, he, I thought it was quite funny. He said that uh, facing Atalanta on Monday will be more difficult than Liverpool, yeah. which I was yeah. like, I, I had to like reread that like three times. Like, did he really say that? I was like, apparently he did. Um, but he, he was talking about the mentality of now they know that they can't go there and kind of play for like a 1-0 defeat uh, he, they, he's like, he, now they know they need to get a result which he, he thinks would be extra motivation for them so it could actually work in their favour in terms of uh, conceding that goal meaning that their, their mentality will be a bit more positive rather than uh, going there and saying right let's just not get beat by two goals Um now, obviously, we mentioned that uh, Juve and Roma are both through, but obviously, like, like we kind of, I want to go back to the uh, Inter group because they are now sitting third, um, and that again is on goals scored, and y- you've got a funny wee story actually from the post-match press conference, which I quite like. Oh yeah, when it was put to um, put to Spalletti by uh, one of the reporters after the game that you know. Why he was so confident? Because Spalletti does seem uh, does seem very, very uh, confident that Inter will get through and they're they're going to finish the job, even though it's not in their hands. And Spalletti was basically making the point that no, no, it is in our hands. It might not be on paper, but it is in our hands. I just think that you can laugh at me if you like, and some people did that if we beat PSV, which obviously they did in Holland, then they'll get through, even though. Spurs can obviously go to Barcelona, who are already through and already assured a top spot. Then they'll go through. So you know it does throw up the the possibility that uh, that Barcelona could rest players. And when when one of the the reporters put it to to Spalletti after the game that you know he thinks Barcelona will rest players and Tottenham have a great chance of of going to the Camp Nou and uh, and finishing the job that that they started at Wembley. Spalletti was. Was quite angry and was was inquiring if the, the reporter in question had a direct line to the to the Barcelona coach. He wanted to know if if he had uh, Valverde's phone number and why why he was so sure that Barcelona were going to rest players. So he uh, he seems pretty confident that Barcelona, you know, they've got their, a, a good home record in this competition to defend. They've got a lot of good players. He's he's uh, he's quite bullish about. Inter's chances still, even even though they missed the opportunity, I suppose, at, at Wembley just to kill it all off and save us a nervy, uh, nervy last night of it. 
Indeed, right. So let, well, let's quickly get the Europa League out of the way because this did well. This was quite funny. Um, Milan played Dudelange at the San Siro, um, and they were one 0 up after 20, 21 minutes. Patrick Cutroni scored uh, a nice wee goal actually, a nice flick from Higuain. But then <laughs> Dominic Stoltz, thirty nine minutes in, got the ball just inside there and smashed it in the top corner. I was like, everybody, I, this is one I was at, um, and everybody was like, "What the hell's going on?" Dudelange have just scored. Like, obviously expecting that to be kind of quite a big story. Dudelange scoring at the San Siro against AC Milan, a, a, a team, a team Dudelange that have only been professional since the start of the Europa League and will stop being professional when the Europa League finishes for them. So, the, essentially, they've got three months of being a professional team, um, and then in the second half, at the start. Uh, Dave Turpel, that's like Big Dave. <laughs> big Dave's probably what up. all the guys call him. Big, big Dave forever. A Big Dave stepped up. 49 minutes in, puts Dudelange 2 1 up. And obviously, you can imagine there were 200 Dudelange fans at the San Siro. The, the players were just like, this is amazing. This is the greatest thing that's ever happened. Well, and I almost <laughs> fell out of my seat at home, dog, when I saw that they'd gone ahead. So I can only imagine that. Imagine the scenes at the San Siro for, for the home fans and the away fans. Oh, how many home fans there were and the, yeah. the away fans. Yeah, it was 15,000, which, which is the lowest attendance of the season. Um, and obviously, disbelief. A lot of them were like, they don't know whether to laugh or cry. <laughs> it's just one of those things. It's, like, it's just so funny. Uh, but then, yeah. but then um, Cotroni got another one, uh, 66 minutes, then Chalinoglu, then Aongo, then Borini. Kind of, I think it was in the space of about 14 minutes. Milan went from being behind to being 5-2 in front. Um, after the game, Gattuso was saying he liked the reaction, but he seen that the players... Kind of, he kept saying that they had gone to the bottom. So it's, I think he was talking along the lines of kind of their mentality had dropped, their heads had dropped, and um, he changed a few things. I think it's, I think it was pretty much as soon as the second goal went in, Jesuso was getting warmed up and he was getting on the park uh, as well. So it's kind of like, right, okay, we'll get the big guns on and we'll sort this out so we don't need to worry too much. And Gattuso said he was pleased by the reaction. And 5-2 and obviously seems like it's a, a magnificent result. But for me... The, 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 going behind against a team that is essentially semi-professional, their striker is a student. That's how semi-professional they are. He's an actual. He's a. He's a. He's a university student, um, and they're going behind against a team like that against actual uh, professional footballers that get paid thousands and thousands of euros every week because they are professionals. And they're doing that. It's just a, a beggar's belief. Was well, uh, the thing that I just wondered of when I saw that the kind of the late goal glut that had happened, obviously from Milan, you kind of put two and two together. But was it just as simple then as these guys are semi pros and they just maybe don't have a, a high intensity ninety minutes in them? And they did kind of, even though they had the lead to defend, was it just tiredness kind of did for? I think so. I think I think yeah, I think it was the tiredness that had a part to play in it because you, you like Gattuso mentioned that as well. I said after fifty minutes, like you could tell that they were they they didn't have can they couldn't keep up that same rhythm uh, for for the entire game, and, that, and I think that was that was partly due to it. And I think as well, Milan just completely and utterly just put everybody forward, um, so they kind of overwhelmed them a little bit in attack as well, and, and eventually they broke. 
down. But like Dude Lange aren't very good. They, I'll be honest with you. As as much as they took the lead and Milan are terrible, Dude Lange aren't very good. So, well, I, Tom, I think uh, I'm almost certain that a team from the Irish First Division, not even the Premier League, a team from the First Division in Ireland drew Dude Lange a few years ago in the Europa League, the preliminary rounds, and knocked them out. So. <laughs> just a few years later uh, the Langer taking the lead at the San Siro oh, so. it's crazy crazy but there we go we were there we see it hashtag FF at the games um, and it means that going into the last uh, set of games in Group F um, Real Betis beat Olympiacos in Seville 1-0 so they are a point ahead of Milan and with Milan and Olympiacos um, playing in Athens in a couple of weeks if Olympiacos win 2-0 in Athens Olympiacos will go through on away goals because Milan won 3-1 at the San Siro. So, as, as good as Milan are in a strong position, um, they, need a, they need to get or, or need to get something in Athens, I think. I think th- that would be a bit more difficult maybe than Milan expect, given that Athens is one of those places like in Turkey and stuff where you go there and it's just a crazy atmosphere. Right, so last game. Uh, ended on a sad note, Podrig. Uh, Lazio, they went away to Cyprus to face Apollon. And Lazio have already qualified from uh, their group, so it didn't really matter too much. But uh, they got beat 2-0. Um, a goal in the first half, Falpala, and then Markovic scored late in the second. And essentially, th- th- this was a game where um, Lazio played a second str- a very much second string side um, Caicedo was playing that's all, you, that's all anybody needs to know he started um, <laughs> Cataldi Caicedo fan club are in the house again uh, definitely um, and, um, Cataldi was the captain so th- this was just um, give it, giving guys a run out which I think is something that Lazio need to do when they get games like this is, is, is kind of use the squad a bit more because um, obviously they've got a big game at the weekend against Kievo, so we all know how good Kievo are these uh, these days. Um, and after the game, Inzaghi essentially said that um, Lazio are concentrating on Serie A right now because the Europa League's they're through, so they don't need to worry about it. Um, and they'll, they'll finish behind Eintracht Frankfurt in Group H. So Paddy, that's Europe done for another week, week five of the European season. Um, everything looks pretty good for the Italian teams. Like overall, apart from the little bits and pieces and hiccups we've discussed, everything seems good for Syria. Yeah, it does. Um, I think all the teams are in a good position. If they're not already qualified, they're in a they're in a good position going into the the last round of games. I I think though that we could be looking at a little clean sweep. What do you reckon for for the last round? You get them all through. I think we're going to get five of six. And I oh. think the one that's going to disappoint everybody is Napoli at Anfield. I think as much as... How uh, do you know? Do you have a direct line to Jorgen Yes, I have. I've got a direct line. I've, I've got an erotic voice. So he likes, <laughs> yeah, he likes yes. chatting to me. Yes. Um, <laughs> Fortunately, our translator did not have a, such a voice. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, no, I think, honestly, I think the Napoli going to Anfield, given how good they've been in the competition and the fact that they're still unbeaten in the competition, they'll go to Anfield and they'll get beat and they'll go out. That's just the, these things that happen and it'll be sad and everything like that. But well, actually, no, actually, wait a minute, thinking about it, we will get six teams through. 
because they'll all go in the Europa League. Ah, so we've got six of I six. Technicality, I think. <laughs> we will have six teams in Europe after Christmas, is what you're uh, basically saying. That's what I'm saying. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm sticking I'm, your neck out. I've got, I've got to see if I could put a bookie or take that and not realise. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> do you do you not 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 going on the technicality there, right? But do you think that we'll get all six through? Uh, yeah, I think they'll all they'll all go through in the Champions League. I think Juve will top the group. Um, I think Roma they're yeah. already through. Obviously, they'll probably go through in second. And I think uh, yeah, I think Inter and Napoli will both will both do it. I think that Inter will beat. PSV at home, they know they have to win now. Um, you know, Spurs have to go to the camp now and win. That's going to be tough. And I think that Napoli will go to Anfield and they'll, they'll get the result that will put them through because I can't see uh, Red Star doing any favours against PSG considering how the first game went. But I think Napoli, are, I'm, I'm not going to lose faith in them now. I think, yeah, we're, we're going to be a, a happy Christmas at FIF for the, the Italian teams. There you go. In there go, everybody. That is what we think. Uh, remember, get on Twitter. Let us know what you think on Twitter. Follow us on the Instagram and you can get our lovely stories from all around Italy and Europe from the games. Um, what else about we to do? Um, remember, like and comment and go on the website and stuff like that. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks after the group stages of the European season have finished to go through all the ramifications from that. So from me, Paddy, Alistair, Vieri, and everybody at Forza Time Football, there is nothing left for me to say apart from Arrivederci.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.